0: Come on, Michael.
1: Everyone, everyone wants to settle in a little bit. Let's get started. So, when I drink alcohol, everyone says I'm an alcoholic. So how come whenever I drink Fanta, no one tells me I'm fantastic? A little bit, some groans, okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God speakers Step Series. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Zach. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise or might will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God and let the craziness of the day drift away. Ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everyone ready? Let's start the meditation. after me. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Amen. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who have suffered from alcoholism. I've asked Josiah to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 Steps is to have a spiritual experience, so we think it's kind of important to know what one is.
2: (laughs) Josiah, alcoholic. This is the spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of a sudden and spectacular upheaval. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource Which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Oh, flip it over. Sorry. This is the first time reading. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most empathetically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover. Provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts, he can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance." That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you. So,
1: please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane meeting mode or just turn them off. So, uh, this is Pat's... 12th week with us, and also his last week. I'm excited to get the chance to introduce him. Uh, Pat is a guy that's inspired me in my recovery that I look up to, and I know that he truly lives the 12th step. So, without further ado, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about it.
3: Thank you. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Pat... And thanks to the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the program of AA, I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And for that, I will be forever grateful. It didn't just give me my life back, but it gave me one worth living. And I absolutely love Alcoholics Anonymous. I love some other Anonymouses too.
4: Yeah.
3: And I love my life today. You know, and uh, yeah, I do some service and some other fellowships also, and, and I love some of those. And <laughs> Zach says, "I can't wait to hear what he has to say." I said, "Me either."
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Happy New Year! <laughs> and it's—I uh, can't wait to see what God's got in store for me this year. You know, it's kind of one of those things. I I've, uh, this this step series has been unique in a way for me. Uh, you know, I've. Uh, talked last week about hitting walls and you know I felt as though I was hitting a little bit of a wall uh, this year and uh, you know these step series help me grow I mean I, you know I, I get to uh, I get to redo the work I get to revisit the work over and over and over again and that's the one thing about doing service is you get to revisit the work over and over again and reevaluate yourself and re inventory yourself and and, uh, and recommit and, uh, and, and I've had some, uh, some significant awakenings through this journey. And, I, and I'll look back at this, at this step series. I always look back at each step series and some significant things have, have taken place, uh, you know, as, uh, as another catapult, another platform to grow spiritually. And, and it's going to be... Uh, I, I just see 2018 as just a, a, a great year. Uh, and significantly, I... I this holiday, I got to make amends to my daughter-in-law, which uh, boy has been a long time coming, and uh, I feel really good about that. And and it's and it's that it's revisiting this work, right? It's sitting, standing up here speaking about steps nine, and and getting into ten and eleven, and uh, you know practicing these principles and, and incorporating this design for living into my life. And as I'm talking to you about making amends and keeping the you know staying current and, and keeping your side of the street clean. In the back of my head, I'm going, you owe one. You need to take care of one because, you know, hypocrisy doesn't live well from this podium. And and when you're talking about it, you need to be doing it, you know, and it's just one of the deals, and, and it kind of keeps me together. I, that's one of the reasons why I love AA so much, you know, and, and, I, and I love doing this so much and, uh, is because it just keeps me on the beam. I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I still just... Uh, you know, I've been around a few years, and I still walk into these rooms and get that, you know, I'm home, you know. There's just something about these rooms. It's, it's, God is present. I mean, that's just, that's obvious to me. And no matter what's going on out there, because let me tell you something, there's days like today that my, my world is whirling. You know, it's, it's crazy out there some days for me. And, uh and I just come in here and just breathe a sigh of relief and just all that's out there and, and I'm here. And, and, you know, look, you guys know I'm an advocate, you know, uh, uh, meeting makers don't make it. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, meeting makers who work the steps make it, you know. But, you know, that being said, we well, you know. you know, I mean, meetings don't treat alcoholism and drug addiction. They just don't, you know. But here's the deal. Alcoholics and addicts like me who don't go to meetings, they don't do well. They just don't. No, they relapse. You know, it's part of the deal. It's part of the three sides of the triangle. You know, it's it's part of the. It's just part of my makeup. It's part of my recovery, as as much as the steps are, and as much as service is. This fellowship is as much of my recovery as any other part of it. It's 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 vital to my recovery. It's vital. You know, I get guys all the time. I mean, they're, they're relapsing or they and they're ready to relapse and. I think I'm crazy, man. What should I do? Go to a meeting. Why? They don't and drink there. You know, I mean, that's really that simple. They don't drink there. They don't get high there. You know, so you could go there. You don't know what you're going to hear. You might hear the thing that's going to save your life. You know, I talked about that last week. I, I go to a church that I never go to because my son goes there, and I hear a message I needed to hear that's going to change my life. That message is going to change my life. You know? It's always for me about positioning myself properly. You know, being in the right place to hear the message. Just a, a good friend of mine, uh, Father Bob H., who's one of the guys that I used to follow around when I was new in recovery. I think maybe most of us who are really who really dive into recovery, latch on to a couple of speakers and we follow them around. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of what I did. It was a handful of guys that I, I wanted what they had. And I followed them around. And, and, and Bob was one of those guys. And, and, uh, and, and, and Bob, you know, he was the one that taught me the prayer. You know, the best prayer in the world. He was a priest. You know, and he would, he would, he would say, look, I got the best prayer in the world for you. And and everybody's saying, God, he's a priest. We're gonna everybody get their pen and paper out, you know. And this this is gonna be good. This is gonna be a, this is gonna be off the charts. Yeah. He goes, you ready? He goes, help. That was it. <laughs> that was the prayer. Yeah. But man, some days that's just where it's at, right? It's just about just help. You know, just help. You know. So I don't even know where I was going with that, but maybe it'll, Maybe I'll end up back at that road, but. The the 12th step, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, uh, part one, we carry this message to the alcoholics, part two, and then practice these principles in all of our affairs, part three. And I'm going to touch a little bit, I think, on all all three of them. But, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps is the greatest promise in the book, I mean, to me. I mean, that… That is the desired result I was looking for. I have had a spiritual awakening. I have had a spiritual experience as a result of the course of action. I have been transformed as a result of this course of action. I am nothing like the person who walked in here. Nothing like that. Yeah. So, I mean, the big miracle in my life, I mean, the great fact is just this and nothing less that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences that have revolutionized our lives, right? The central fact of my life today is God has entered my heart and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. Short version commencing to do for me what I could not do for myself. Well, what was that? I couldn't stay stopped. That's all I wanted when I got here. I couldn't stay. So I would have settled for just staying stopped. You know, I was incapable of staying stopped, giving any circumstances, giving any consequences. And that defines me as an alcoholic. That defines us, right? The two questions that they ask us four times when they, when they hit page 444. The fourth time, if when you honestly want to stay stopped and you find you can't, obsession of the mind, and once you start you find you can't control it, allergy of the body, then you're probably an alcoholic probably only because we don't pronounce anybody an alcoholic. But if you're given sufficient consequences and you can't stay stopped, and once you start, you can't control it, have a freaking seat. You're in the right spot. That's what defines us as an alcoholic. All that other stuff, outer unmanageability, inner unmanageability, all that other stuff is just stuff. Mostly consequences for me. But that's what defines me. And I would have settled for just that. It's just not picking up, you know. I couldn't. I mean, I've divorced twice, lost careers, promised judges that I would never drink again if they let me out of jail, drank before I got home. You know, I mean, there was no consequence that was going to keep me stopped. Given sufficient reason, right? Given sufficient reason, the non-alcoholic stops. It's the person that can quit on a non spiritual basis stops. I wasn't that guy. <laughs> I just wasn't that guy. It took, this, it took this course of action to produce a transformation in my mind. I needed a power greater than alcohol. And I found it. I've shared with you guys in my fifth step. I had wasn't you know white light, but it was immediate. It was immediate. You know, I shared with you guys that I did my fifth step with a priest because I didn't trust any of you. I was at Denny's with you guys while we were talking about everybody else. <laughs> I knew what was going on. That was my crowd. Don't drink and go to Denny's. That was our motto, right? And we'd justify talking about everybody in the room. We're just visiting about them, you know. We're, we're, we're talking about them. It's for their own good, you know. <laughs> we'd, we'd gossip about other people and justify it. There was no way in hell I was doing a fifth step with any of you guys. Yeah. And so I did mine with a priest, and I had the desired result. I had those promises that come after the fifth step, the results that come after the fifth step. The obsession to drink left. It left. I have not had the obsession to drink since that day. I was, my mind, my, my thoughts, my mind was transformed that day. My, a whole new world came into view. That promise came, materialized in my life. I felt as though I was walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe from that time on. I found the same relief in the spirit that I found in the spirits. Yeah. Same relief. Yeah. I had found a solution to my drinking and drug problem. Now, I'm not telling you I've never thought about it. That would be a lie. Because my mind still knows it will forever be imprinted on the back of my mind that relief that came halfway through that first bottle of Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill at 16 years old. I remember that moment still to this day. That was a long time ago, and that moment's like yesterday. (laughs) I learned how to dance that night. (laughs) Travolta. (sighs) (laughs) You had to see it. You had to see it. Paisley shirt, bell bottom pants, platform shoes, hair down to my shoulders. Staying alive, baby. <laughs> First time I ever danced in my life. <laughs> did a lot of things that night that I was never able to do when I was sober. Never able to. Now I have a power in my life that doesn't have all those consequences attached to it. Yeah. Granted, did I stay on the beam? Granted, did I practice these principles? But I'm able to do anything. I mean, it's not even a threat to me anymore, you yeah. know. But when the shit hits the fan, when those problems come, my mind will still reach back to those moments and say, there's relief in that. But I'll immediately change that thought into, yeah, there's relief in God too. You know. What's the central fact of your life? I mean, that's, that's the question, right? <laughs> the central fact of my life today is that God has entered my heart. I am in constant contact with God during my day. It's necessary for me to survive. I'm just that batshit crazy, you know, I just, I just need a constant contact, and it's not about drinking, it's about all lot, lot of other stuff, it's about behaviors, it's about taking myself towards a drink, that's the trick now, is how do I stop myself from going towards a drink? The slip starts way before I pick up a drink or a drug, way before, it starts in traffic, It starts with my words. It starts when I start getting into confrontations, when I'm in conflict with customers or conflict with my family. That's where the slip starts. Because Bill described my state of mind, my state of emotions perfectly restless, irritable, and discontent. Must be treated. Must be treated. I found a way to treat it without booze, you know. And I go anywhere. I can do anything. It's just not a threat to me anymore, you know. I mean, to me, it's like skull and crossbones. I, don't, I just, you know, I, I see poison in that bottle. I don't see relief in it anymore, you know. I, I think I was sharing. We were at dinner one night. I was sharing. I don't even serve it. I don't even like to touch it. It, it scares me still to this day. That bottle scares me, you know. I'm not gonna. I'm not. It doesn't threaten me, but I don't even want to hold it. (laughs) To me, it's like you know picking up a loaded gun. Yeah. Now, I love what they read at the beginning because I love that definition of a spiritual experience, right? A personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism. Sometimes quickly, spiritual experience like Bill had in town's hospital, sometimes slowly over a period of time, incorporating these principles, incorporating these steps into our lives, and we change slowly over a period of time. You know, I had the immediate relief from the obsession, but it took some time to get free of me. I'll tell you that and I'm still not out of the woods. That personality change has come slowly over a period of time. The obsession was lifted immediately in step 5. But my behaviors, you know, more will be revealed. You know, it's just been a it's been a process, you know, and it's and it's a constant it's a, it's a constant spiritual growth. I mean, there is nowhere else to grow here. I think I said this last time. There is nowhere else, At some point, there's nowhere else to grow but spiritually. Yeah. So what was acceptable to me when I got here is no longer acceptable at five years sober, is no longer acceptable at 10 years, which is no longer acceptable at 15, and the road starts narrowing, and at 20, that behavior is not acceptable, and the road just keeps narrowing. So I, I've kind of become an information seeker. You know, I've become, I'm, I'm a spiritual growth sp- seeker. I mean, that's, that's what this has all been about, is how do I grow spiritually? How do I become a better person tomorrow than I was today? Yeah. I know I'm on the right track because I offend myself. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, that's when you know you're on the right track. Like when nobody else even notices and you're offended. Like I'll say to myself, I can't believe you thought of that. I can't believe you even thought that. So I, you know, I'm constantly seeking information. I'm constantly seeking more healings. I'm constantly seeking more spirituality. And I take that information and I, you know, and that's what we do, right? We just, we're barraged with information. We take what information works for us, we incorporate it into our recovery, and we grow. We take the stuff that doesn't, we discard it, you yeah. know? Constantly seeking information and trying to grow from that information.
5: Yeah.
3: You know, I shared with you guys uh, last week, uh, I went through a divorce 16 years sober, which absolutely threw me for a loop. And I look back at that as probably the greatest spiritual catapult in my recovery, Right, Most painful experience in my recovery emotionally, without a doubt, without a doubt. But just catapulted me spiritually because I I, I needed a healing. I absolutely needed a healing. And I sought that, and I sought sponsorship that was on that spiritual path. And one of the things that I did... uh, and some of you guys that are in treatment probably have done them. Is timeline? My my sponsor, who I who Garrett M, who, I lost my sponsor this year. Uh, heaven gained a giant, but uh, I lost my guide this year. And uh, but. but uh, But one of the things Garrett had me do, and and some of you have done them, is done a timeline. And and what the timeline that we did was a uh, significant events, good and bad, it's breaking your life up into five-year increments, significant events, good and bad. And uh, man, there was so much revealed in that, and uh, a lot of things were explained, a lot of my behaviors were explained, a lot of my thought processes were explained you know, uh, looking back and, and seeing, you know, I'm bounced from house to house. Why am I bounced from house to house? Why am I not with my parents? Oh, my parents are having problems. <laughs> you know, they're not around. They're, they're battling. So, they split up, I go to my grandmothers. They get back together, I'm back home. They split up, I'm at Uncle Jack's. They get back together, I'm back in the house. So, I'm bounced from house to house, Aunt Mary's, Uncle Jack's, you know, and... and No stability whatsoever, I'm in a different school. My first five years of school, I'm in different schools every year, constantly losing the house, getting another house, losing the apartment, getting another apartment. No stability whatsoever. And you wonder why when I'm going to school, I have a slightly nervous disposition. (laughs) Wonder why today I have a slightly nervous disposition. Wonder why I can't have healthy relationships. The two relationships I should have been able to have unconditionally weren't there. Who do you trust from then on? No one, right? But one of the things I learned at 16 years sober, I'm a taker. I'm still a taker. I'm a taker in relationships. I'm still needy. I still need validation. And it allowed me to grow from that, what I thought was tragic at the time, grow spiritually so that I could possibly in the future have healthy relationships. Needy people don't do well in relationships. If you need something other than God to validate you, you're in trouble. People will not validate you. They just won't. And for the first time, I'm in a relationship where neither one of us need either one of us. She doesn't need me to validate her. I don't need her to validate me. I just want to love her. She just wants to love me. I don't need anything. But I had to learn that behavior. And I have to work on that behavior (laughs) because I still want what I want when I want it. And a lot of times my thinking doesn't match my actions. My actions look good. (laughs) Thank God we're not judged for what we're thinking, huh? Holy crap. (laughs) I'm that guy. You hurt my feelings. I want a divorce. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's it. We're done. Move out. Yeah. So, the personality change is, is a work in progress, you know, and, and I'm just, to me, it's like being reborn on a daily basis, you know, I just want to be better tomorrow than I was today, that's all, just a little bit better than I was tomorrow. This progress towards perfection, perfection being the goal, knowing that I'm never going to hit the goal, but in the journey, I'm going to become a better person along the way, Fine. You know, thank God Bill allows us to be human at the end of uh, how it works. Suppose we fall short of the chosen idea and stumble. Are we going to get drunk? Not necessarily. He exposes his humanness and mine. Because we are going to fall short. The human condition is a broken condition. I'm going to fall short. There's days I'm going to fall short. But if I recognize that, if I recognized I fell short, And six and seven comes into play, and I ask God to take me to better things. Help me not to repeat that behavior. Tomorrow, make me a better man. I'm surely going to stay on the spiritual path. But if I know my behavior is wrong, and I know that I'm hurting other people with my behavior, then we are surely going to drink. And Bill says, this is facts out of our experience. (laughs) Hypocrisy doesn't live here. The cool thing about AA and recovery is it's self-cleaning, right? It just flushes once in a while, you know, and and people disappear and new people come in. That's why they don't need rules here. It's self-cleaning. Hypocrisy just weeds itself out. You're going to walk a spiritual path in these rooms or you're going to get high. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we carry this message. What message? Well, having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we carry this message. What message is that? Having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps. That's the message. That's the message. We have a solution. It's called the 12 steps. That's the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. We don't have another message. We really don't. If you're an alcoholic of our type, then we have a way out. This kit of spiritual tools called the 12 steps. That's it. There is no other way. If you're the real alcoholic, if you've answered the two questions, if you've came, come to the two conclusions, if you've, if you've agreed with the ABCs, then you have no choice but to pick up this this kit of spiritual tools and work them and recover. That's the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. The cool thing, as we look back, you know, and and I shared with you guys the second worst day of my life was the day I got divorced in, in recovery. You know, the first worst day of my life was the day I landed here. That was the first worst day of my life. Like how does it get any worse than this? I'm in AA. (laughs) Not what I had planned. Nowhere in high school they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to speak in an AA meeting. I can't wait to grow up and go to AA. (laughs) I used to hear people from the podium say, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. Do you know where you're at? (laughs) Are you delusional? You're in AA. In the real world, you ain't shit. (laughs) My mom can't even brag about this. (laughs) Especially my CA stuff, right? You know my son spoke at the CA International. They grabbed their purses, you know. (laughs) Not what I had planned. But like, you know, we live our lives forward, we understand them backwards, right? Looking backwards, it was the best day of my life. It was the absolute, without a doubt, it was the best day of my life. The day I landed here, I had no idea what was in store for me. Second best day of my life, I got to my doors. I mean, I hate to say that. You know, and and we look back, and that's what happens is... Our defects become our assets. Our brokenness becomes our gift. Where the hell else does that happen? Right? You know, although our solution is of a spiritual nature, to me, the magic happens out there before this meeting, one alcoholic talking to another one, sharing stories, sharing war stories. Let me tell you what happened to me. And, and, and we bond. You know, uh, Dr. Bob, who had been going to the Oxford groups, he knew the spiritual solution. He'd been going to the Oxford groups for over two years. What did Bill have that nobody else had? Many people told Bob he had a drinking problem. Many people told Bob what he should do about his drinking. But Bob didn't hear it. What did Bill have? He had a story. And that's what Bob says. He didn't come from the knowledge. He didn't come from the head. He came from actual experience. And this is the first guy in his life, he says, that knew what he was talking about when it came to this drinking thing through experience, not through knowledge. And we tell this story. I I, I opened my book for this. For a reason here. And one of my favorite lines, uh, you guys, as big book guys, know on page 124 you know, in uh, Family Afterward Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. Wow. My dark past, my brokenness become my assets. They become the gift that is going to unlock your alcoholism and drug addiction, and you will bond with me, and we'll be walking hand in hand on this journey. And that's exactly what happened to Bill and Bob, the first two to get together. One One of my favorite lines from Bill is when he says that although the spiritual experience that I had in Towns Hospital, which he had, he had this white light Clean wind blowing through a mountaintop experience. Although that was vital to my recovery, what dawns on him when he's in the, the hotel lobby in Akron is that what kept him sober were the 90 plus failures. In six months, he got no one sober. He, he tried sponsoring over 90 guys, no one got sober. But it dawns on him at the Mayflower Hotel while he's ready to walk into the bar to be with people like him. It dawns on him that those failures were what had kept him sober. So when he meets Dr. Bob, he's not about getting Dr. Bob sober. He's about staying sober. (laughs) What do you think you're going to do for me? Many men have tried their wares on me. I didn't come here to save your ass. I came here to save my ass. Let me tell you about me. And, and Bob says, the first guy didn't talk about my drinking. He talked about his own drinking. And Bill tells him, hey, I, I had this business opportunity. I'm, I'm going to make a ton of money on it. All I got to do is not pick up a drink. And some son of a bitch offers me some Applejack. <laughs> and boom, I take a drink, and I'm off to the race again. and blow the whole deal. And Bob says, yeah, I've had had to do surgeries. They start swapping stories. And this bond takes place. What a gift. We freaking save lives here. I mean, this is real shit. I mean, I know firsthand of five overdoses last week that died. This is real stuff, guys. This is real stuff. There's stuff out there now that's just wiping people off the face of the earth. This is not a game. Who gets to do that? We have a gift that the clergy and the medical fraternity and the psychiatrists and the psychologists don't have. Because when they say they know how you feel, you know they don't. I know how you feel no you don't you have no idea how I feel you have no idea what it feels like to take a drink against your own better judgment one of my favorite paragraphs in the book where where it talks about the effort you have no idea what it means to take a drink when you know where it's gonna take you but the internal condition is so unbearable I can't stand myself for one more effing second. I know where it's going to take me, eff it. I don't care. That's what we say, right? I don't care. You know you're going to jail. I don't care. You know you're going to die. I don't care. Yes, you do. You just can't stay stopped. (laughs) I just can't stay stopped. I can't stand myself sober. Can't stand me sober. Had nothing to do with you. It had to do with something that was going on internally with me. That's the connection. That's the connection right there. I do know how you feel, and you know I know how you feel after you hear my story. So we get get to use, you know, and look, I look back. I look back, and I'm not thrilled to death about the wake of destruction that I left back there, you know. But I know today that everything had to happen exactly the way it happened for me to be here and me to be doing this, to do what I get to do, a get to. And I'm talking, and I'm not being arrogant here. I'm saying we save lives here. That's what we do. We we bring people from the pits of hell, and we give them hope. If I can do it, anybody can do it. If Bill Wilson can do it, anybody can do it. These stories are all about hope. Every story is about hope. That identification, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I felt like that too. Yeah, that happened to me. And you hope they say, what did you do? You hope they have, and and as you're telling your story, their head's going, yeah, yeah, I did it, yeah. felt Yeah, I did that. That's what you want, that head going up and down, and boom, you got them. You got them. And you have a shot at saving their life. Because we have a way out. I, one of my readings that I do every day, and I've, I've done it since I got sober, is out of the uh, 24-hour book. I just, it's just one of my favorite books, you know. I, and I don't care. I, I, sometimes I even know what's going to be in it, <laughs> you know. I mean, I've read it so many times and so many days. I, I get it emailed to me. I, I just I, And and I love this meditation of the day. You can make use of your mistakes, failures, losses, and suffering. It's not what happens to you so much as what you make of it. Take your sufferings, your difficulties, your hardships, and make use of them to help some unfortunate soul who faced the same troubles. Then something good will come out of your suffering, and the world will be a better place because of it. The good you do each day will live on after the trouble and distress have gone, after the difficulty and the pain have passed away. What a message of hope. So everything you've done that you look back and you feel guilty about, you feel remorse about, you feel shame about, has now become an asset. Because there's, I mean, I want to say millions of us, but but there's tons of us out there that need to hear that story, and they need to hear your story, not mine. Somebody here might need to hear my story, but somebody needs to hear your story. We are uniquely valuable. Every single one of us is uniquely valuable because somebody needs to hear your story or your story, not mine. They won't identify with me, but they'll identify with you. That's why there's 43 stories in this book. You got 43 shots at identifying with, yes, I felt like that. Yes, that happened to me. And they found a way out and found God. We were talking about the, 12, the chapter working with others. You know, it's for both. It's for the newcomer and the, and the, the 12-stepper. You know, if, you, if you're looking at instructions, I mean, some of it seems dated, but for the most part, the, the body of that work in chapter 7 is right on. Because it starts with tell your story. Tell them what happened to you. And then tell them about the mental twist. Tell them about the the obsession of the mind, how you attempted to stop and couldn't. And then tell them about the inability to control it once you start. And then tell them about the spiritual solution. Stress the spiritual solution freely. It never says, don't talk about God, you'll scare them out. Never says anything about that. But make it clear that they can choose their own conception of God. We're not telling them how to believe. We're just asking them to be willing to believe. Believe however you want. Choose your own conception. It doesn't say creation, by the way. Conception. That was what they did on a 12-step call back in the day. Why is it so different? Let them know you're available if they want to make a decision. Step three. And tell their story. Step four and five. That's on the second visit. Now, it doesn't have to look exactly like that. But it's still relevant today. So, what I'm saying is yes, it's for me who's doing 12 step work, some specific instructions for me doing 12 step work, but it's also for the newcomer to say this is what you should expect from a sponsor. This is what you should expect. Swap some stories, talk about the solution. Talk about the program of action, the steps we took to recovery, and then ask them if they want to make a decision. I mean, that's what I, when I get to step three. We we stop right there in the ABCs. All right, are you in? Are you one of us? Are you convinced? Right? Step one. Are you? You have to be convinced. You're in a most self. Right. This is the first step of recovery there's any doubt, there's no sense in moving forward. Now, my opinion, and that's all it is, is my opinion, is I think this was meant to do rapidly. I don't think this was a course of action it was meant to take your time on. We don't have a big window. The ego has amazing recuperative powers. (laughs) <laughs> amazing, right? I'll do anything, I'll do anything, just tell me what to do. Okay, we start a step workshop on Saturday night. Saturday night? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this Saturday night? Mm-hmm. I, I had a guy actually say this. Isn't is that Halloween Eve?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And what? But that's who we are. That, you know, I'll go to any Lane, but that. <laughs> you got anything on Tuesday night? You know? we take guys through the steps in five weeks we take our time we do a workshop that we start over and over again, anybody that wants to go through the steps just get with me at this meeting, I'll tell you where it's at we started the workshop uh, this past Tuesday, did steps one and two five weeks from now we will start over again you don't need a sponsor, just show up we'll appoint one you don't need a sponsee, just show up somebody will raise their hand, they need one And we just do it over and over again, and we just get people through the steps rapidly. And, that, and look, that's slowly compared to what they were doing back in the, in the day, right? They were doing it in an afternoon. Dr. Bob took 5,000 people through the steps in a half a day. I mean, that's the way they did it. Quickly, we don't have a big window to work with. You get out of detox, I'll do anything. Two days later, right? I just need a job. That's all. I just need a job. I'll do anything. I'll take any job. Just give me any job. I just need to pay rent. Okay. Get them a job. Three days later, they're underpaid and overworked. (laughs) The job sucks. I should be running this company. They don't know what the hell they're doing. It's just who we are. (laughs) Clarence used to do them in a day. I've done the Clarence thing. It's great. I've done all of them. I've done Clarence eight hours, working through the steps. We used to take groups of guys once a month on a Sunday, take them through through the steps in eight hours. Does it have to look like that? No. No. There's times where I've slowed down, especially if they don't buy into the ABCs. It's time to revisit the first two steps. That's where it talks about in working with others. They might be careful. They might say, you rushed them. The only time you're rushing them is when they're not buying the ABCs, when they're not convinced they're alcoholic and they don't want to buy into the spiritual solution. Nothing I can do for you then because my solution is of a spiritual nature. You know, I'm here, here for the people who tried everything and it didn't work because I'm that guy. Because if I could have done it some other way, I'm telling you, I wouldn't be at this podium right now. And if it still worked for me, I'd still be doing it. I hate to admit it. (laughs) It's funny, we were talking to a friend of mine, a lot of you guys know Tom R. Tom and I are best buddies. And and Tom and I were talking about, if they, this is just a question to throw out there, right? If they came out with a drug today that would allow you to control your drinking or drugging, would you take it? Right? Now, at five years, that's a good question. At 10 years, that's a good question. At 15 years, it's a good question. Right? Now, they don't know us, first off, right? Because if one pill makes you feel good, <laughs> the, the, two would make you feel twice as good. We know that, right? <laughs> and how many of you guys would be looking for a better delivery system? <laughs> <Come> on, <right? laughs> how many be crushing it? Come on, you know, cooking it, right? <laughs> But there's, the truth is, it, where I'm at in my recovery now, and I've been there for a while, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't trade what I have today for anything. No way. This is something, you know, beyond my wildest dreams, I didn't know they were talking about something intangible, something you can't see, you can't touch, you can't explain. I didn't know they were talking about something like that. Now I do. You can't describe it. Tell me what a rose smells like. Similar, right? I don't know. Good. (laughs) What does water feel like? Slippery, you know. Can't describe it. You have to experience it, right? You have to experience it. And that's why the, the willingness is the key. The willingness is the foundation, you know. Just to be willing to buy in, do the work, you get the results. The miracle takes place equals faith, Right? That's how belief in the unseen is acquired. You just buy in, you just trust us and do the work and then you go, Oh my God. (laughs) This is amazing. Because it is. I mean the trick in the last part I know run out of time. In the last part of this step, practicing these principles in all of our affairs, that becomes the trick, you know. Is, is six and seven. And I, I always talk about this, is that everything leads to six and seven and everything leads back to six and seven, in my opinion. For me, that's what it's all about. For me, it's all about keeping those instincts in check. It's all about keeping my desires for more in check. You know, because I just can't get enough attention and I can't get enough material goods and I can't get enough sex to satisfy myself. It doesn't, and the more I get it, the more I seem to want. And for me, this program has all, been all about keeping those desires Keeping me from perverting those desires and keeping them where God intended them to be and them not be a validation for my life. So practicing these principles all my affairs become that becomes that becomes the challenge. Yeah, that becomes the challenge. Is how am I what do I look like out there? What do I look like in the real world? I can sound great for an hour. I can look great sitting there for an hour. What am I doing in the other twenty-three? You know, how am I showing up in the rest of the world? How am I showing up at work? How am I showing up with my customers? You know, am I show, Am I practicing love, patience, tolerance, and understanding? Ninety percent of the time, maybe. You know, I've still got ten percent, so I still fall short ten percent of the time. I hate to admit it, but I do. You know, I'm human. Some people know how to push my buttons, too. You know? do I make it right? yeah I do the best I can to make it right I don't do conflict well I don't do I gotta stay out of conflict conflict gets me high you know I, I just can't feel conflict I just I don't do emotions well I don't emotion well I <laughs> just I just don't I, I over emotion you know <laughs> I do I, I don't do it well I hate it I hate that pain you yeah. know break my finger just don't hurt my feelings you know I don't care punch me but don't don't call me names <laughs> How am I showing up there? How am I showing up with my coworkers? How am I showing up with my employer? How am I showing up at home? Am I still a taker? How am I showing up? And it's a day-to-day battle for me. Am I practicing these principles in all of my affairs? One of my favorite stories, and I tell it every time I get to this step, is uh, Brian H., who was my sponsor, uh, who I owe my life to. Absolutely all my life, too. You know, and, and it's where this identification process sometimes becomes irrelevant. You know, I was 36 when I got here. Brian was 23. I was divorced. Brian had never been married. I had, I'm about to lose a career. Brian hasn't had a career yet. But Brian had been to a big book seminar. And Brian knew the answer. Brian was armed with the facts. And I'm dying inside of Alcoholics Anonymous from untreated alcoholism. And he recognizes that and carries the doctor's opinion to me and then takes me through the steps and creates an absolute miracle in my life. I'll be forever grateful. I got exactly what I needed when I needed it. Now, if I had been waiting to hear my story from the podium, I didn't ask Brian to sponsor me. I don't even know if I ever asked him to sponsor me. He sponsored me. He took me through the work. I don't know if he ever I don't think I ever asked him to sponsor me. He didn't care. And I don't care. I have guys ask me, Do you sponsor me? Do I? <laughs> you tell me. I don't know. I, that's not a requirement for me to take you through the work. I'll take you through the work no matter what. You want to hear your fist step? You want me to hear your fist step? Call me. We'll get together. I do a lot of fist steps with people I don't sponsor. Brian's telling me this story. He says, almost lost it, right? I <laughs> almost forgot the story. <laughs> He's going out to Sawgrass Expressway. And this guy cuts him off at the toll booth. And he is pissed. I mean, damn near had an accident. And the guy takes off. He can't wait to pay the toll and catch up with this guy. Right? So he starts chasing the guy down the Sawgrass, he says, I'm chasing this guy down the Sawgrass expressway, I am going to kick his ass when I get him. Yeah. And he says, the closer I get to the vehicle, the more it looks like your van. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, did he realize that I'm chasing my spawntee <laughs> down the Sawgrass expressway to kick his ass. All of our affairs, practice the principles in all of our affairs. That's like my biggest fear. That's my biggest fear is running late to this meeting or some meeting and give the guy the finger in front of me for like enjoying life and driving the speed limit. <laughs> what the hell is that all about? good <laughs> places to be. And then have him sit right here. You know, when I start the step series to come up here and talk about spiritual principles, Right? And it's come, i almost had it happen. Chased one of my friends. <laughs> I was right on his, at, and that dawn, That story that Brian told me hits me all the time when I start that behavior. You know, I'm on my way to my home group recently, and I'm on this guy's ass because he just won't. I'm running late. I got to get there. And I back off because I remember that story, and he turns into the same group <laughs> that i am turned it into. <laughs> we represent we represent recovery. We represent a fellowship. I have an AA sticker on the back. I have a circle and triangle on the back. It's not the AA logo anymore, but I have a circle and triangle on the back of my truck because people who know what it is know what it is. And it's cool because it starts conversations. You know, I love that. I love when people see my medallion and they say, hey, you're a friend of Bill's because there's just this immediate connection. You know, when you, it's like when you're in, you walk into somebody's house, you see a big book. You know, ah, Yes! You know, there's just some bond that's just created there immediately. So I love that. I love to be part of that. But if I'm going to keep that sticker on the back of my van, on my back of my truck and my van, I better represent that sticker. I better represent that logo. I might be the only big book that somebody ever sees. You know, I leave that customer's house and go, what an asshole. Oh, and he's a member of AA. I also have a fish on the back of my van, so I represent a couple damn fellowships, right? I better be careful. You know? If I'm going to keep the stickers on my truck, I've got to be mindful of my behavior. And I love it because it keeps me in check. You know, it stops me from some of the behavior that I really want to partake in and gets me settled down again and keeps me on the beam. You know? I always, I always laugh. I always say I, I have a... Circle and triangle, I have a fish. And then I also have an NRA sticker on the back of my windshield. <laughs> so I'm a gun-toting Christian in recovery, you know. <laughs> that goes over well. So in Texas, I got a standing ovation. In Miami, it was crickets. <laughs> it's like, what do you say? You have an NRA sticker? <laughs> Anyways, I want to thank you guys so much for, uh, for inviting me here. Uh, I love this group. I love the page that this group's on. There's, there's a few groups that I just love to death. Uh, a bunch of young people in recovery on fire with the big book is, is just what we're about, is what I'm about, you know, and I, and I just love being a part of that and, and, and being a part of your recovery. There was a time when I came into recovery that I thought uh, that we were losing more people than we were gaining, you know, in the early 90s when I came in here and it was, you know, a lot of treatment, and, and I'm not anti-treatment, I love the treatment has their job to do and we have our job to do and you know they need to treat what they need to treat and then we treat what we need to treat here. I think you know if you don't get like the chemical imbalances and the the manic depressants and the bipolar if you don't treat that you'll never get this you know and if you don't get this you may not get that either you know so we work hand-in-hand with treatment you know I I love the treatment centers. so I'm glad we're not in the treatment business. But, but I love that. And, and to see uh, a bunch of young people on fire with recovery, I know that our fellowship is in good hands now. I had my doubts when I got in here. You know, We were talking about success rates that were under five when I got here. You know? I think we're way ahead of that game. Now, is that a rel- even a relevant conversation? Probably not. You know, when you have people that are court-ordered here and you have people that don't want to be here and parents have sent them to treatment and they're here from treatment. But what our book says, when there's, when there, and they'll probably read this before the meeting's over about the success rates, what our book says of the people who really tried, right, 50 to 75% success rates, right, what does that mean? Of the people who worked the damn steps, <laughs> of the people who work the steps and continue this design for living in 10, 11, and 12, I'm telling you, 100% of them stay sober. Many of them have awakenings at 9 or maybe even in 10, 11, and 12, but what happens? They back away. They don't play in all all three sides of that triangle. They They stop working the steps. They stop doing amends. They stop living 10, 11, and 12. They stop attending meetings. They stop sponsorship. Just one of them, for me, would be fatal. For me to just stop one of them would be fatal for me. So my opinion is, everybody that lives in 10, 11, and 12 stays sober. They get it, and they keep it. 100% success rates. Thanks for letting me be here. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Pat, uh, for tonight and for the last 12 weeks. It's been an awesome journey with you. And uh, on that note, on behalf of our group, to thank you for the last 12 weeks, uh, it's my honor to present you with this Alcoholics and God uh, coffee mug uh, for you to represent uh, along with that sticker. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) got some little knickknacks in there from our group. So thank you. And now, now it's time for our Secretary's Report.
6: Hi, my name is Jeff, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the Seven tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. I've asked uh, John to read the uh, recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic.
5: My name is John, I'm an alcoholic and a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we're not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain for us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered.
6: 1940s-style big book sponsorship. From 4 to the 2nd edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Can I have a show of hands of recovered alcoholics in the room? And is there anyone here that needs a sponsor tonight? If you could raise your hand. All right. Please join us Monday nights at our Big Book Study, where the Big Book comes alive. Fellowship starts at 6.30, Big Book Study starts at 7.15. We have CDs, mugs, large print Big Books, the Little Red Book, and the Big Book Dictionary for sale in the back. Um, We also got some flyers and stuff. Let's see what we got over here. Got AA's Got Talent. Uh, we got there? Yeah. A's Got Talent on February 3rd, 2018. It's six. I think Robert has more information. Thank you, Robert, for standing up. This guy right here, I'll direct you in the right way. Um, what you got over there? Right. Acts of Recovery. That's uh, what? June 29th? No? January 13th. I don't have that one up here. <laughs> all right. There's your information. We've got all these flyers in the back. What's the next one? waves of serenity that is Saturdays 9 to 11 through January 20th through July 21st Okay. and what do we got next oh my gosh what is that that is the Coney Island hot dog extravaganza which will be taking place this Monday January 8th Um, the only thing better than that is that it's free so you're all invited and if you'd like to invite your friends bring them all we have tons of hot dogs for everybody Next Thursday, uh, we're starting a new step series with Mary and W. Um, super excited to hear her speak. She's around this meeting all the time, and uh, she always has a great message. So come on out and show some support. Have we got anything else? Okay.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: We meet every Thursday, starting at promptly at 7.15, and we ask you you be courteous and ready to begin at the sounds of the bell. See you next week.
1: We have tonight's session, all past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. It's good to listen to in your car, on your lunch break. Uh, great recovery speakers on there. Um, and I would also like to invite everybody to come to our Monday night big book study. If you're new and you want to learn what the big book's all about, or if you've been around for a while and you want to become a better sponsor, great place to, to learn and fellowship. Um, so those who wish to thank tonight's speaker, please line up down the center aisle, and we're going to close with the Lord's prayer seated. Our Father, Just a reminder, everybody, try not to light up until you're over by the smoking area. Thank you. Godspeed.
7: I hope
0: It's the light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine It's I'm gonna let it shine Hey, shine, shine